sports fans. Um, I, I just wanted to put a little bonus um, module um, in this sort of accusation, a little window, because I want to talk about the spirit of performance for a little bit for those of you. Um, for those of you whom you think God is addressing this in you, and you think, I, I, I want to be a little bit more aware of performance. Um, performance, and I'll just say about this, I've never taught this before anywhere, but I've taken notes on it myself because I see it everywhere, and it's so much a part of who we are as Americans. Performance, the evil spirit of performance is welcomed and applauded and rewarded in America. And I feel like it's kind of an unknown deal. You might have heard people talk about being a performer or performance, but not really understand how it works. So I'm just going to share with you my scattershot notes on it that I've taken over the last five or ten years. Um, and these notes have come from really hard conversations that I've had with people who God has delivered from performance, and that would include me, and just some learnings. So I just want to share what we've got. Okay. First of all, performance's relationship to accusation, as far as I understand it, is that you only get into performance if you feel rejected or accused. If you don't feel rejected or accused, you'll never go into performance. You know, I, my children feel absolute acceptance and love and cheerleading from me, so they never ever feel like. They have to start with zero and come up with something that will make me happy. That, that's not on their brains whatsoever. Um, the feeling is that you have to prove something because you're lacking the identity of an accepted son, which is who you are. You're lacking this identity. So, so performance offers you the chance to go make a name for yourself. I'll, I'll create an identity, and I'll do a dance, whatever that thing is, and then that will be my identity for myself. I can call myself this thing. I can advertise myself by this uh, performance name in, in front of other people, and, it, and probably in some half-baked way might give me some standing before God. And I'll just say for myself, I understand the performance thing. I, I uh, grew up in doing theater stuff. I did um, on stage performing as a musician for about 20, 25 years. I know that feeling of I'm doing this dance. Why am I doing this dance? Um, the restlessness that comes from that. You ever see, they don't, it's not in the airport anymore, but I always saw this, this um, image at the airport and I always just thought, you gotta be kidding me. There was a, it was a, it was a picture, it was an advertisement picture of a guy holding a briefcase and he's on the phone or he just got off the phone and he's doing something like this and the sub I mean the title is something stupid like you you close the deal um, and it was you know I don't know what they're advertising an airline or something um, and I would just I every time I saw that image it just made me sad because I know what that guy's life is one hour after that he got that mo he got a blip that lasts shorter than a cocaine hit. And he felt that rush of, this is why I'm doing all of this work, I'm putting all this time in, I, I'm jumping through all the hoops. And you know what's gonna happen next week? There'll be a new hoop. And 
what are you going to do? What advertisement for the airline are you going to give them then? Well, the, the truth is, as I'm going to talk about, is that he'll bite, he'll keep biting for the rest of his life because he does that feedback loop all the time. Okay, so performance, and, and the way I understand it, performance wedges itself in between rejection and acceptance. So I got rejected, what's my way to being accepted? You ask the question, am I received? And if I'm not sure, performance promises to give me an answer. It'll tell you, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll get you received. Performance says that you'll be known not for who you are, but for what you do. And, you'll, and, and, and the uh, magic thing that you're looking for is success. Whatever, however you wanna describe that in whatever field. In the kingdom, you can be an approved son and yet suffer and fail and be an outsider. Think about that. In the kingdom, you can be an approved son and yet suffer and fail and be an outsider. Look at Paul's speech that he gives. He says, I was stoned, I was shipwrecked, I was beaten. And you're going, yeah, so you were a loser. That's what you're saying. Nobody wanted you around. Even it seemed like the weather was conspiring to destroy you. Anybody ever felt that way? <laughs> yeah, that the weather, another rainy day. God hates me. My life is awful. And um, Paul was an approved son in the midst of all of that stuff that he went through. He suffered and failed and he was an outsider. Um, Performance is often spawned by, just FYI, it's often spawned by someone close to you at a young age whose approval you sought. Um, and you got into this thing of, I, I know how I can get this approval. I know how I can get the identity that I want is to perform. There's a great struggle to link achievement, any achievement, even if it comes from a, another person or, or a team that you support. There is a great struggle to link achievement to yourself. So if your work team had a success, you want everybody to know, I was on that team. I was a part of that deal. Yeah, the, the, the artistic piece turned out pretty good. I, I was a part of that. I, I contributed to that. I need you to know that I had a key idea in the formation of this thing. So you want credit for everything you do, and you even want some credit for some stuff that you didn't do. The kingdom, however, says, give credit away. You don't need affirmations like that. Give credit away. Take the low place. We're commanded to, to make others better than ourselves. Um, that's actually something that we learn about great leaders. Is every time a great leader gets affirmed for some accomplishment, they immediately and instinctively defer and go, well, that was because of the team around me. Oh, there's so many reasons that... that um, that there was success that, that didn't have to do with me. In the kingdom, we give credit away, we take the low place, we esteem others as better than ourselves. We don't strive for position. This is a big deal with performance. And, I, and I'm, I'm spending time on performance, by the way, and the reason I wanted to do this little bonus module, because it's not one of the classic big strongholds, but you're probably an American if you're watching this. If you're a Westerner, you deal with or maybe have full-blown performance. It's part of our cultural, national stronghold is performance. Um, so to not strive for position, 
I mean, it's kind of, it doesn't even make sense to us. Like if I was given the, uh, the offer of being in middle management or being an executive, I don't understand the question. Of course, the answer is I'm, I'll take the executive position. What are you saying to me? In the kingdom, we don't strive for position. I don't mean that you don't take, take a, uh, um, what do they give you at work? A raise when they try to give you a promotion. Thank you. I don't mean that you never take a promotion when it comes your way. I mean that you don't strive for it in your heart as it is a, it's the brass ring that I'm willing to sacrifice people for or bend my values or whatever so that I can get this precious promotion. We don't do that in the kingdom. Matter of fact, Jesus says, take the low place. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you become the servant of everyone. In the world, there is an org chart of authority and posturing and success, and it gets narrower at the top. And you want to climb that ladder. You want to be greater than other people. That's how it works in America. We are all saying no duh to this. In the kingdom, it is exactly the opposite. There is an org chart, and it goes down. And it gets more narrow the further down you go because guess what? It's vacant. Nobody's down there. Nobody wants to take the low place. But Jesus' name is that he's the chief cornerstone. He has the very lowest place. You can't even get you can't even get that place. It's already taken. But what you can do to be like him is you take the low place. You serve those around you. You give credit away. You don't climb over people to get the promotion or the raise or whatever. And if somebody offers you a raise, I'm just telling you, I think a wise thing to do would be sit with the Lord and say, what do you say, Lord? Is this a trap from the enemy or is it a blessing from you? And it could be either one. And we don't know. Americans think they know that a promotion and a raise would always be best, but we don't know. I've talked to plenty of people for whom the promotion and the raise was a trap and it ended up hurting them. Okay, so that's kind of achievement. Become the slave of all. Becoming the slave of all is nonsense talk to the performer. I think you will agree with me there. Performance people, if you're in performance, you will see taking on too much as a credit to you. You will see taking on too much as being a compliment to you. So the whole, this is a classic American deal, to say I'm overworked, it's both a complaint, it's a way for you to complain, which you're not supposed to do, and it's a brag. In America, it's a brag to say I'm overworked. Did you hear how needed I am at the office? How important I am? Well, I'm overworked. They have so much for me to do. I'm overworked. And you almost want somebody to go, you are, that's amazing. You're so great that you've been worked so much. How many hours? It must have been 70 last week. 70 hours, wow, that's so amazing. That's great, that's great. And are you exhausted? Yes, I'm dying. Oh, that's wonderful. We're so proud of you and the family. Can you, do you, do you see the insanity of that conversation? That happens, that is America that I'm describing to you. That we think that being overworked and stressed out is somehow um, a compliment to us. And I'll cut to the chase of one of my little antidote things at the I was going to say at the end, I'll say it right here, when I'm talking about being overworked and stressed out. Um, one of the antidotes is that we would submit to God's law of, and his rhythm of working and rest. He wants us to rest and then to work. That's his design. If, if you are a performer, 
honoring the Sabbath is very hard for you to do. And I would tell you, I'm assuming I'm speaking to a group of followers here that are listening to us, I'm telling you in the name of God to confess and repent of your sin and start observing the Sabbath the way that you are commanded to do. It's one of the Ten Commandments to honor the Sabbath. There are very scary threats made to the Israelites if they don't honor the Sabbath. It's God's plan for your life. If you're not making room for a reasonable amount of sleep at night, if there's not restful pockets of your day, if you're not putting aside uh, a Sabbath to rest with him, I guarantee you you're asking for a breakdown because God did not design you to operate this way. And breakdown, like exhaustion, it's what our celebrities do in America. The people that we esteem the most, they had to go away for exhaustion. They did? They must be amazing. That's not a compliment. If you get exhausted and you get stressed out, it means something's wrong. And I, the reason I'm taping this is because I'm begging you. I don't want you to go down this hole. In America, the spiritual concept of America is engineered to break you down. And this is one of the ways, is this performance thing. I don't want it to happen to you. Um, okay, just I'm just going to throw in some random things here. Look for back problems as a symptom of performance and false burden bearing. Just, I'm just throwing that in. Look for them as symptoms. I'm not saying that every back problem is because there's performance. I'm saying look for it. It might be present. And false burden bearing. Do you, do you ever get stressed out because, the, because your gigantic corporation isn't meeting its numbers and the stock numbers aren't the way they're supposed to be? How the heck are you supposed to take responsibility for that? What are you, what are you supposed to do? Answer emails quicker to help? That doesn't make any sense. False burden bearing is part of this. You're not made to, uh, to carry burdens that are larger than your life. You're not supposed to, unless it's a burden that the Lord wants to give you for the lost or for the poor and the hurting. But taking, taking on responsibility for our entire sales staff didn't meet their Q3 numbers. Are you crazy? Don't do that. It's a trap. Don't do that. So don't do false burden bearing and look for back problems. Performance is a treadmill. When do you ever get to stop? When do you finally say, I've done enough. I think I've, I've established that I have value in this area. I look for these little anecdotes, so I'm going to tell you that in a book about DreamWorks called The Men Who Would Be Kings, fascinating book, Spielberg, who I don't know about you, I tend to think of Spielberg as sort of an enchanted boy man who spins yarns that the world gets to delight after. We think of him as this really talented, carefree guy. I do. But in that book, Spielberg is described as a raging workaholic who plans stories in the shower he tests video games into the wee hours. He takes conference calls while he's on vacation with his family, etc. That treadmill, if you get on the treadmill of performance, um, there's no way out. Wouldn't you think that Steven Spielberg has reached a level of success where he maybe gets to take some time off? What do you got? A hundred million zillion dollars? How many number one movies do you think? I think he probably deserves a rest. I think he's done quite well. You, there's no end to that treadmill. You don't get to go, well, I made it. I've arrived. You don't get to do that. It promises you that. It just never delivers it. Men are trainable. If you spend 30 years chasing a brass ring with all your passion, 
the brass ring will eventually disappear and you will continue to chase because chasing has come to define you. It's who you are, this chasing. Um, the Bible describes a chasing after the wind. You never stop. It never stops. Anybody here done P90X? We, we did that for a little bit. I thought this about, I think this about all the time when I see those things. We don't do it anymore, but I would see Tony Horton. He's this guy in his mid-40s, it looks like. And I was thinking about Tony Horton. I go, when do we get to stop this exactly, Tony? How many pull-ups do you have to do before you can stop doing pull-ups? What's the goal here? Do you want to do 1,000 pull-ups? I guarantee you that's not the answer because then he'll go, his goal will be to do 2,000 pull-ups. When do we get to stop? I was thinking... I'm looking at all the people in the videos going, these are the most cut, active, fit people you've ever seen in your life. Do they still have to do P90X? And Tony's like, well, of course they do. No, they don't do P90X. They knew our next program is for the excellent, credible fitness. I'm just like, do they do this in other countries? It's because we have this American insanity about performing. And that's the name of another fitness video called Insanity. Um, okay, do I have, my question is, do I have to be this fit and muscular age 65? Is there an end ever? No, there isn't. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on my finisher. Look for people pleasing. Look for over competitiveness. Taking joy in someone else's hardship. Because when you see those things around you, you think, well, I've got to get a, get a leg up now. Because you know this treadmill is a no-win. You look for escapism happening in your life. I've seen this happening for me. I, I'm on this treadmill. I know that it never ends. I get the sinking suspicion that it's never going to end. I'm going to have to work harder and harder the rest of my life. So performance can lead to drugs. It can lead to sexual perversion. It can lead for pleasures as escapes from the endless grind. When I've been in this place, I would just go, just go to the Nike store and just lust after shoes and just go, well, this is kind of a nice place to go to for a while. At least gives me some semblance of freedom just... Can we go to an ice cream shop just for a second? You get this escapism, like, when do I get out of this? So, so your weekend doesn't become a time to like rest, recharge, do relationships, do time with God. It's, it's a Netflix binge because I just got to get out of here somewhere. I got to escape to somewhere else. Look for those things. You might have a problem if those things are going on. Um, this pursuit of false identity is an accusation against God. You haven't given me an identity, and I've got to go make my own. So that is not cool. I'm going to do a couple of antidotes, and I'm done. This is what I want you to know about, about the performance trap. Failure is in God's plan for every one of us. I had an old prophet man say this to me in my early 20s. He discerned in me. He said, there's a fear of failure in you, Steve. And I'm like, hey, what's wrong with me? I'm feeling great. He's like, no, there's a fear of failure in you. And he discerned that correctly. And he said, Stephen, you can look at every man that God's ever dealt with, and you'll see that failure was part of the recipe that he used with every one of those men. Jesus included. He was despised and rejected of men. Um, and the Lord loved his heart, and he had to go through failure. Failure is the great thing that you avoid at all costs if you're into performance. You don't want to be seen as a failure. You want to, you want to do anything to avoid it. And control, by the way, I never mentioned the word control, but control is part and parcel with performance. They're, they're, they're close friends. 
And control says, I'll handle people's perceptions of me. I'll micromanage all situations and I'll eliminate the possibility of failure. But failure is part of God's recipe for you. I promise you that failure is part of his plan for you. <laughs> and I want to bless you with the freedom to let the failure come when, it, when it's time for it to come. It's going to be okay when, when you fail. It's okay. The fear of failure and self-worship are part of this, are part of the um, stew that is performance. So we have to release our plans. Sounds crazy for an American. Are you crazy? We have to release our plans. You can go read any number of Christian books and go see any number of sermons that will tell you how to be successful and keep you from ever failing. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says, trouble's coming and failure's coming your way. We have to release our plans, release our life path, and release our destiny to God. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He didn't know who he was becoming, but he followed God, and God loved him for it. He loved him for it. Because all of his faith wasn't in his plan. Abraham had no plan. No plan. His plan was, I'm going to follow you. I remember when I was a senior in college, and there was so much. If you, if you went through that, you remember there's so much anxiety. Everybody's asking everybody all the time, did you get a job? What are you doing? Did you go to the job fairs? Did you do all that? And we were, I mean, two of my buddies, I remember we were just inundated with all of this pressure. And we were like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do any of that pressure. We can just see, yes, we're not dumb. We know that graduation's coming. We know that there's life after graduation. But I don't feel that I can successfully go get anything at this point and it not be tainted. Because I just, I personally, I just couldn't see straight in the middle of all that stuff. So our line became, whenever we asked us, what's your plan? We would tell people with a straight face, who might have been a little little self-righteous about it at the time. We would just tell people, my plan is to follow Jesus. What are you going to do after May, bro? I'm just going to follow Jesus. Yeah, but what about when May comes? you got to pay bills. Are you going to move back in with your family? I don't know. I'm just going to follow Jesus. That's, I mean, that's a little simplistic, but I'm just telling you to the end, to the extent where I go like, I can't see my way through this deal. God's, God is not looking for me to give him the plan for my life. He's not waiting on me to go, do you have a plan, Stephen? What's it going to be next year? Have you put it on your daily planner? What about five years from now? You got some plans? How many kids do you think you're going to have? He's fine. He's really cool on the plans. And performance says, I, it's up to me. i got to strategize everything. No, I don't. I have, a, I have a shepherd, and he's good. And he knows what he's doing, and I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to release my plans to him. I'm not going to try to control it all. Okay, so my, my little last point here is that humility is the antidote for performance. Humility. And we talk about humility in one of our other, I don't remember what the stronghold is that we talk about humility, but we talk about humility and how it's just a wonderful tool that God gives us to humble yourself, to, t to say to him and to others, God, if anybody gives me a name or an identity, it's you. God, if there's a plan for my life from here until I die, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's not going to come from my invention. If I'm going to have blessing or success, it's not because I'm a good performer, I'm talented, or I know how to do the right things. It'll be because you're a good God and because you give me good gifts. That kind of humility 
It protects us from a spirit of performance. It's the Lord's way through. He says, I'm going to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. For an American, the valley of the shadow of death, among other things, is a spirit of performance. And he wants to lead us through it as a shepherd. And you know what a sheep says? You know, what's your big plan, sheep? Ah, that's my plan. What are you going to do next week, sheep? I'm going to go wherever. See this rod on my shoulder? I'll go wherever the rod tells me to go. Oh, you haven't thought this out very well, have you? I'm sorry. I don't think any number of how much insurance I buy and how much 401k I have and whether I have a career path over the next 40 years, I don't think those things are going to protect me. I have an identity. It's as a son. And my father knows everything. And he loves me. And he has all provision. And I'm going to follow him. When you receive love and identity from God, there is no place for performance to take hold. So, I'm just going to bless you. I want you to get secret. That's a, that's a really beautiful word there. Get secret approval from God. It's something that he tells you in a quiet place that you get directly from him. It doesn't come from any other achievement. Get secret, untrumpeted approval from God. Get that from him. Even if he affirms to you what your spiritual gifts are, resist the temptation to go tell everybody around you, these are my spiritual gifts. What we do most of the times when we share that stuff is we want their affirmation. I don't need your affirmation. I got it from my father. I got secret, untrumpeted approval from him. Get, it, get, it, get that secret approval from God in failure. Get it from him. Go to him in those times. He actually wants to say things to you there. Get it from him in discipline. Get it from him in correction. Get it from him in times of waiting. When you don't want to wait. Americans don't want to wait. We invented the microwave. We don't want to wait for anything. God designs periods of waiting. In those periods of waiting, you know what you should do? You go to your father and you say, tell me who I am. Because I'm tempted to start performing now. Because I'm waiting. And I don't like to wait. So I need you. Um, let him develop faithfulness and gratitude and humility. You, you can get that approval from him in those times of trouble. They are his antidote out of performance. I don't want you going down the sinkhole and the quicksand of performance. It is everywhere in our culture. It, it, um, it's, it's the thing that the enemy um, dangles in front of us when accusation is present. He goes, well, just eat this carrot of performance. I'll get you out of that accusation. And we realize we've traded in something for something even worse. So everybody who struggles with performance, I know I got my fur up as I'm talking. It's not because I don't love you. I love you. I want you to be free of this stuff. Um, it upsets me to think of the kind of prisons that a lot of us are in. Um, rest. Let me review. Rest. Look for places to rest. Do it out of diligence. Do it out of obedience to God. I'm going to rest because you command me to. Humble yourself and go to him for identity. Don't do this performance thing. In Jesus' name, don't be an American. Be a Christian. I love you. Bye.